Hello and welcome to the Pursuit of Healthiness podcast. I'm your host, Dylan MacDonald. So today's guest is Adam Boyd-Brown. Adam's first steps into the fitness industry began at 17 with aspirations of becoming a golf pro. Through golf, Adam was turned on to weight training, which has helped him improve his confidence as well as his physique. Since then, Adam has gained a Bachelor of Science in Computer Animation, but more importantly for today's episode, has qualified as a personal trainer and an MNU nutritionist. So, Adam, thanks for coming on. <laughs> have I left anything out there or got anything wrong or how how it sounded? Uh, well, it's not too bad, not too bad. Um, I've got I've got a dog. I think you might have missed that out. I've got a, uh, a, you know, a sprocker that's the light of my life. But other than that, I'm cool. uh, yeah, I think you pretty much covered everything. Cool, cool. So we may as well just get straight into it. For the listeners there, do you want to let everyone know what type of clients you work with? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I tend to work with... Um, general population in particular um you know so whilst i i deal um, and, and did deal a lot with uh kind of competition prep clients in the past um especially in like an online capacity uh the the sort of face-to-face client i work with is is um you know you're, you're just sort of general weight loss fat loss wanting to get a little bit stronger a little bit healthier um and Therefore, I've kind of worked with pretty much anyone, um, any any kind of population you can imagine working with um, sort of over the last, uh, I guess, kind of couple of years since qualifying as uh, MNU nutritionist. Um, I work with uh, a lot more endurance athletes as well now. So I tend to work with um, people who are, are kind of prepping for things like ultra marathons and stuff like that. Uh, I've got some some professional golfers on my books. So I tend to work with pretty much everyone, so I'm a bit of a bit of a generalist, I guess you could say. Okay, cool. And recently, I seen you launch the Stronger for Longer. Do you want to tell everyone about that a bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's uh, an online uh, group coaching thing that I'm running um, with a fellow coach of mine, James. Um, and uh, it's a it's a little bit different to, I guess, kind of what um, is is out there a little bit at the minute in that it's mainly a group program that is is geared towards um, kind of beginners, newbies to, to um, training, uh, you know, having worked with a lot of people who are brand new to the gym um you get a good understanding about what people uh you know the intimidation factor around going into the gym and you know with these individuals typically you want to be able to get them into some sort of like you know coaching ideally sort of straight away unfortunately it's not something that is um you know uh, achievable or affordable for everyone um location based obviously if somebody is following me and they're not not you know not local um you know it, it, it leaves them with sort of less um less options so we were kind of like right where you know there's a massive sort of gap here for actually catering for these individuals needs um so it's uh, uh yeah it's something that we we started in january um and uh, we basically just do a new intake every month and then it's kind of 90 days of trying to get people from kind of, you know, square one to, to feeling nice and confident in the gym. So it's going to be um, yeah, it's going to be a good learning process for all involved, I think. Mm, so I like the sound of it now. I like the sound of it. It's very different in terms of a lot of the stuff that is out there where it's a lot of transformation programs. It's very common nowadays for people to want to get that type of result rather than to be working on just getting people the result of enjoying the gym and staying at it and staying injury free and getting on a nice path there yeah yeah like you say it's 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 uh you know with transformation programs kind of the online type of program obviously it's very much outcome based Mm. 
Um, and that is at the end of the day, you know, most people are, you know, are looking for an outcome, but, um, you know, the issue sort of what we tend to see with that and it tends to happen, you know, with, with, you know, I've worked on kind of transformation programs in the past and that is you do tend to see a lot of people on the wagon and then off the wagon, you know, um, with some of these programs, there's obviously a lot of repeat business. And I guess from the ethical standpoint, I'm kind of coming from and where I want to kind of go with it is, you know these individuals ideally shouldn't need to come back on after doing it, yeah. you know? Um, and so it was kind of like, how do we, how do we create something that's more uh, about the process um, than just about the outcome, mm. you know? Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully that is, is what we'll be able to achieve really. Yeah. I think a lot of the time we see, you know, like you're saying, outcome goals are kind of the thing that sells. We see a lot of the before and after pictures, but we don't see many of the after, after pictures, of what the result is a bit further down the line after that person gets in that great shape. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's obviously, uh, hugely marketable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've, we've all used transformation pro, uh, you know, yeah. so photos to show a client's client's journey, but it's kind of like more than just the photo, you know, what's been, what's gone on with, you know, what's that person's journey been yeah. and, and what's their journey look like, you know, like you say, after the after. Yeah. And like there, there is a lot more to transformation as well, other than what meets the eye. Like, so you have a lot of the mindset and like, there's so much under, under that there, like behind those pictures that needs to be changing as well and improving. Um, mm-hmm. so I think there's definitely, there's definitely nothing wrong, I don't think, with the transformation, the body transformations, as long as they're done right. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. the majority are pushing more towards the sending them in the wrong direction after that after picture rather than setting them up for the long term. It's great to get that result if you can be set up for the long term and that person knows how to deal with different scenarios and is like well equipped to continue mm-hmm. on at where they're at. 100%, definitely, definitely. So on that note, what I'd like to start off with is when a client comes to you as a nutritionist, where do you start? What do you look at first when you're going to decide what approach to take with that client? It's usually going to start with the the client's um, actual starting position and and their goals. Mm. Um, So essentially, you know, uh, where do they want to get to? Where are they starting from? And then it's kind of figuring out what the middle position that's going to achieve that is going to be, you know. So it's like, where's the shortfall right now? Uh, how do I get them towards where their, their goal is going to be? And obviously, there's a, a lot of things that kind of factor into that. So um, the extremity of their goal, um, you know, for somebody whose whose goal is just to say, you know, lose, um, you know, half a stone or a stone or something for a holiday, you know, that's something it's obviously not too extreme a goal. If they've got a decent amount of time to do that in, all of a sudden the approach we can take um, can be a little bit more open. It can be a little bit, you know, uh, a more of a slightly more sustainable approach. Um, however, if somebody comes to me and their goal is they, you know, they really, really want to, um, you know, compete in some sort of, you know, uh, bodybuilding show or, you know, something is kind of like the icing on the cake of their, you know, their journey so far. Um, then all of a sudden we need to be a little bit more accurate. And, and so their goal is going to, you know, need us to be um, uh, a bit more perhaps data driven in in what we look to do, really. Um, alongside that, I guess their personalities, their preferences, um, you know, we all know people and we probably I mean, I myself, somebody who's quite data driven. 
Um, and so if somebody is very, very data driven and, and they like to place a bit of a priority on, you know, numbers and things like that, that person's going to probably be much more suited to, uh, you know, a, a tracking based approach than somebody who, who you know, might be a, a yo-yo dieter. They might have had a, let's say, a, a bit of a checkered relationship with doing, you know, different things like um, calorie counting and, and all that type of stuff. And, you know, for that individual, it's going to be that, you know, we, we maybe look to take a slightly different approach um, that's not based around data, not based around them, you know, really sort of having to track things like that. Um, yeah. And, and then I, as I was kind of mentioned about really they're like um, their starting position. So, you know, the, uh, I, I guess if I give you a kind of an idea about um, I worked with a client who was uh, drinking a um, two litre bottle of full sugar Coke every day for that individual. Easiest thing in the world. No tracking. Just change that lead, you know, two litre bottle of Coke to a litre of, you know, Diet Coke, uh, you know, things like that of that nature. It's like where are what, what's our most bang for our buck? Yeah. Ideally, I want the client to have to really make as little um effort as possible at the start in order to achieve you know the biggest change really and then as they become more invested in the process um they'll go along and then i guess as well as that is how motivated is the person at the start anyway you know um there's a certain amount of when somebody comes to you and they want to make a change um that, you know, there's always going to be a, perhaps a certain amount of ambivalence that that person has where they they want to see a change. Um, they might have certain values, but the actions and the behaviours that they have in place right now perhaps don't align with that. So it's kind of like, you know, how motivated is this person right now to to see changes? If they obviously are, are massively into it and they you know they're they're really ready to make a big change, then maybe this person's actually ready to you know make a a large scale change in their current behaviours and patterns. But if that person isn't in that place, it's kind of like, what can I do for them right now um, in order to help them see some change until they get to that position? And then, you know, things may be fast tracked a little bit from there. So there tends to be a lot that goes into it, which is why, you know, it's such um, there's there's no, you know, one one strategy for everyone, as you well know, as yeah. you know, as a coach there. Yeah, I think uh, like you're definitely right in saying there's no one strategy that fits everyone. Mm -hmm. I think if you come across a coach and we talked about this on the last podcast there um if you're coming across someone that is dealing with it in all absolutes i think it, it it's somewhat of a red flag so it is that the, the, yeah. there is no one approach that should be taken with everyone because it just won't work like you said there's so much in it it's where someone is at when they come to you their experience what goals they have in place their personality type like so so much like so many different things there that come come into it um mm -hmm. but one thing i think um, I come across, I'm coming across, coming across more and more as we go on and work with more people is the fact that those small changes that do elicit, um, the results that someone wants, but they expected the change to have to be more. And then mm -hmm. people, people do want, when they come to, it's like they want to change everything all right now. And they don't, yeah. sometimes it takes a while for them to understand, like, why would we make all these changes and make things so much more difficult and like, have less tools in our toolbox further down when we need them um, yeah. just for the sake of, of using all these fancy methods and things like that. Like you're saying there, if, if we can just cut out, if it's a two bottle, two liter bottle of a Coke 
and we change that to a, a litre of Diet Coke or some small change like that and we're losing weight, there's no need to be changing anything else. Like, I think that's something a lot of people, it takes time to get their head around. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, uh, people's perception of how much they need to do at the start is sometimes, um, you know, uh, grossly over magnified. You yeah. know, they think they actually need to do a lot more than they need to. And actually, as is the case with, you know, even like training, um, right at the start, you know, you don't need to make, um, you know, big lifestyle changes in order to see a big change in your in your body or physique. Mm. Um, you know, you kind of do get that that diminishing returns. Uh, you know, uh, with with everything, it's like the better your nutrition habits become in the long term, um, you know, the uh, the less effort that is required up front anyway. You know, um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think as well. Look, going back to the point of the transformation, it's kind of like when someone comes wanting to get this this fancy approach to the nutrition it is the fact that sex is what sells so people yeah. people people see that transformation they think oh my god like that's what i want that person made so many changes it's it's that that's in their head straight away like people don't want to hear not not everyone anyways wants to hear maybe some people don't mind hearing it but not everyone wants to hear you saying we're going to make these habit changes we're going to get these good habits in place so that we can keep that sustainability for the next few years mm-hmm. and the rest of our life so we're able to deal with these things it's more so that person in their head, unfortunately, a lot of the time just sees A to B and doesn't see what's coming after B. Like there's a whole yeah. uh, there's a whole alphabet after B that we need to deal with. We don't want to fuck it just to get to B. I think yeah, that's exactly. where a lot of people get lost lost with in between there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that brings us on to our next point then is the fact that I think everyone these days there has been such a like an explosion of the amount of people that are aware of tracking calories which is great in a way but it also makes a lot of people think it's the only way um, yeah so using my fitness pal and things like that it's becoming more and more common so my fitness pal chronometer whatever you want to use it's becoming more and more um like frequent and like common but there are so yeah. many other ways we can approach it so there is I think this is it. It's like, you know, realizing that tracking doesn't mean my fitness pal, you know, it doesn't just mean that that's all it is that, that, you know, that's the, the be all and end all. Um, and it's also knowing that non-tracking doesn't just mean that you eat without any thought whatsoever. Um, you know, it's realizing that actually there's a massive kind of scope in between those two things. Uh, and that if somebody doesn't want to track, um, you know, in my fitness pal, it doesn't mean that we can't find a tracking based approach for them or we can't find a, you know, non-tracking based approach. And I think the thing to remember is that tracking, you know, getting somebody to learn how to use MyFitnessPal isn't an end goal. No. You know, um, I think a lot of people think that as soon as they just learn how to, to track appropriately and how to make tracking a habit, that's that's them sorted for life. Um Whereas actually that's, you know, that's the, that's the tool, but you know, it's, it's not the, uh, what's this, like the analogy for it, you know, at the end of the day, it's not the hammer that makes the workman. It's the, you know, the years of experience before that, um, you know, that, that makes them what they are. And, uh, and, and this is it. And, and also as well as knowing that the majority of people don't want to spend their lives tracking. I think, um, you know, you, people who will be, listening to the podcast you know they're gonna be people who have got a vested interest in in fitness um and because of that you know you're gonna get a lot of people who are well you know i can't maybe quite understand that that viewpoint because i can do it it's not a, you know a struggle for me but 
that's because you're interested in fitness you know you, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to a podcast about it um but it's knowing that the other 99 percent of the population actually find it the idea of even thinking about food you know and what they put in their mouth actually quite alien um and it's kind of realizing that actually there needs to be something that happens after that uh in order to make sure they're not just you know really really often on there yeah. um, like, i think like the like the the goal of my fitness pal isn't to be just proficient in my fitness pal and being able to track all those bits yeah. and pieces. It's just, it's used as a literally an ed, an, a source of education so that we know what actually is like what calories are like and what, what's in food and things like that. And it's just, it's just a method of teaching that basically. Like, um, mm-hmm. And I think the people that get tied into thinking it's the only approach and the only option and then just get overwhelmed on it with it. And then, um, when they start to struggle with my fitness pal or they're sick of using it, they think that's it. Like that's mm-hmm. like I'm back to the drawing board. I don't like, I know nothing about it, but it's, it's actually just improving our education in terms of all that. So we can make better decisions and we can further on and get better. Like no one wants to be an 80 year old man or woman or anything else, uh, at a, a dinner for their, their 40th wedding anniversary and going one second now, I just need to put this into my fitness pal. Grandkids be quiet for a second. I need to concentrate on this and we need to get this in before, before my day yeah. is out. Like no, yeah, there's, no, no bar- there's no barcode on this thing. No, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, in terms of tracking, then we all know the obvious one of tracking calories. What other methods do we have in terms of all that? What other ones would you use? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, at the start, you know, if I was getting somebody to, um, uh, you know, to, to, if I'm trying to get them to, to keep like a very inclusive diet and I, and I want them to concentrate on the right things, you know, we may just start off by tracking the amount of um, protein portions they get in their day. You know, so it, it could be not with an app. It could be with a little tick sheet. Um, you know, the, the amount of uh, servings of, of fruit and vegetables they're getting in their day. Ideally, the the kind of approach I want to take to tracking for somebody at, at the start is how can we get them focusing on inclusion of foods, which is going to help them achieve the overall um, goal and principle of, of, you know, if they want to lose weight, getting them into a calorie deficit. So it's kind of like what are the, the simplest things we can track that are going to enable them to have a filling diet, um, are going to hit the markers we want them to hit, and, and they don't have to you know, uh, think, you know, scan the back of every every pack or, or look at everything, you know, whatsoever. So typically in the early in the early days, that might be what we do. We use a bit of a tick sheet. Um, we, we identify between us, you know, what are something they they feel is achievable. Um, you know, so if I'm saying to them, right, could you eat three portions of protein per day? And they say, no, I don't think I could do that. You know, um, majority of the time we, we might move it down to just one. And then we kind of build it up from there. Yeah. Um, as somebody become, you know, let's say becomes, uh, uh, you know, uh, leaner or they move through their diet a little bit further. And actually their goals now become, um, you know, a little bit tougher to obtain just because they might have been dieting for a certain period of time. Uh, they may be a little bit lighter now. Their habits in general might be a little bit better. Maybe at this point we might decide to start doing a calorie track on, you know, days um at the weekend Mm. so i might just say right okay all i want you to do you know your monday to friday is very very similar you eat based off of habit at the weekend you're much more flexible in approach let's maybe like take a um a little look about roughly what's going in over the weekend and then straight away we've kind of 
we've we've worked it in in terms of what position they're in what are they willing to do and and that way we've still got an overall idea about what's happening from from there going forward um if somebody is becoming much more involved in this whole you know um kind of thing i might start getting them to track calories and protein so you know for the individual whose goals are very much body composition related they want to get kind of as you know as jacked as possible it's a case of we right let's start tracking your protein um and let's start paying attention to your weekly calorie intake um and so you can see as it, it can just be kind of phased up from really not having to you know particularly think about their calorie intake um all the way up to yeah, um, something that's much more accurate gives me much more feedback, and I can make you know much more uh, kind of um, exact adjustments. Mm. And that that just goes to show as well that we're not saying the whole tracking thing is a bad thing or anything like that. It's just it's very it's very relative to the person and where they're at, and it does have its place. But that's the thing; it has its place. It's played as his place is not always there and there are other methods. So that's just all we're trying to get across and what we're saying there. Um, when we're looking at tracking, then we also have our non-tracking methods, which are again, um, can be a very good option for some people. So we have our things like our carb bunching. We have might have someone that wants a, a reduced eating window. So we might fast <laughs> in the mornings, things like that. We can go off portion sizing, um, using like our precision nutrition hand method. Uh, we have different things like that. So do you want to run through any of those ones that you normally go through with your clients? Yeah. So, I mean, a, a non-tracking diet, I'm usually, it's usually going to be into sort of, you know, some two broad categories. It's either going to be a non-tracking approach that's exclusive of things, or it's going to be a non-tracking approach that's inclusive of things. So if I was to use the exclusive of things, you know, as you mentioned there, the exclusive of things, you might have, you know, it might be an intermittent fast. So we're excluding food outside of a, a certain window of time. So it might be that they only eat between 12 and 8 in order to give themselves less time to um, push calories into, you know, likewise, people who who will, you know, maybe go for more of a, a lower fat diet, you know, they're going to be excluding um, certain intakes of certain foods because they're trying to keep their fat intake down a little bit, um, you know, carbohydrate bunching, another example there, you're excluding a macronutrient group from from one meal and and actually putting it into a different meal and then uh we've got another approach which you could go with which would be say not having carbs and fats at the same meal so same again these are all based upon just exclusion of certain things then if you're going looking at non-tracking and, and this is kind of the typical non-tracking approaches that were taken um i guess probably on the onset of like social media was kind of like clean eating you know was so that was more obviously based on inclusion of certain foods. It was like looking at, right, you know, making sure that you ate, you know, loads and loads of fruits, vegetables, loads of lean sources of protein, you know. Um, and, and because of doing that, you were just generally going to uh, limit somebody's calorie intake because you were trying to include things. And that just meant that they would be eating less of certain other things. Um, and so when I look at like a non-tracking approach is, Typically, if we're looking at like exclusive sort of diets, what we're looking at there is we're looking at non-tracking approaches that are typically low in awareness. So because 
they're based on exclusion of certain foods sometimes they require less in the way of food knowledge which is where you know you tend to fall into people being let's say carb phobic um you know it might be that they don't quite understand how it is that they've achieved the results they have because by you know say let's say excluding um bread from their diet they've dropped out a load of carbohydrates and and now they're they're eating less than they would did before and they may just feel that you know actually it was the bread that was the problem it wasn't just the overall calorie intake and so sometimes it's actually looking at if this person doesn't really want to learn about nutrition if they just don't have the time to and that's perfectly understandable you know if somebody's busy and they make a billion decisions in a day maybe actually they just be, want to be told look I just want to do this, you know, just just tell me what to do. Tell me the easiest way to get there. I'm willing to, you know, really reduce my carbohydrate intake because actually I don't really care about that too much. Fine. You know, maybe we say to this person, let's drop out um, carbohydrates from a couple meals per day, something like that. And so it's kind of like figuring out does, what does this person want to get out of this? Now, ideally, when I'm working with someone, I'd really love them to be wanting to do a non-tracking method that's based on inclusion you know so i want to really be promoting that they um make sure they're inclusive in terms of you know having lots of lean protein in their diet having um fibrous carbohydrates fruits and vegetables um and and making sure that you know their their diet is you know um satiating but still inclusive of other things as well, you know, so still that sort of 80-20 rule, making sure that they've still got some stuff in that they absolutely love that's not based upon just the nutrient density of it. But obviously, if you're doing this, it does require this individual to have more knowledge of their food intake. You know, they do need to know what lean protein sources are. They do need to know, um, you know, that uh let's say potatoes are particularly filling form of carbohydrate or something like that, you know, so it does require a little bit more upfront knowledge, but we do tend to see perhaps more helpful long-term habits from, from, you know, making sure that our non-tracking approach is much more um, inclusive as, a, as opposed to, you know, exclusive there. Okay. Then um, the most obvious statement ever being everything works until it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And we go for when is the right time to change from one option to the next yeah. What would you be looking at there? If we're looking at um, the weight stalling, if we are trying to lose weight, things like that, what are the little bits and pieces that you look out for where you think, okay, now is the time to make the change? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if we're using a non-tracking approach and actually, um, you know, weight loss is, is stalling out there, um, you know, and we're all of a sudden it's like, right, now we need to be a little bit more accurate. I may get this individual to actually start, possibly providing me with some food diaries again. Um, whether we do that through my fitness pal or I much prefer to get people to actually do it with a, a paper diary. Um, and, uh, you know, that's kind of for uh, multiple reasons there, really. Um, first of all, it, it helps me understand, and, I, you know, alongside their kind of what they're writing down, I want them to tell me what was their, you know, um, hunger levels, scale of one to 10 before eating the food, you know, hunger levels, scale of one to 10 after having the food, emotional states uh, immediately before, emotional states immediately afterwards, because this is like the best time to actually get this person to be mindful of their of their eating. And, and this is something that, um, you know, if, I, if we're using my fitness power, I still want them to do alongside that because it helps them figure out the behaviors and the patterns that's happening in their day to day so that when they do move away from 
you know, tracking approaches in the future, they're in a much better position to go. I know that I'm more likely to, you know, um, break my diet in the evening or, I'm, I, you know, I know I'm likely to um, fall off, off plan, excuse me, when uh, I'm bored, you know, all of those kinds of things there. And, and so if, if somebody's, you know, stopped seeing results, then I know, right, it's probably time for us to be a bit more accurate. Now let's start maybe using, you know, utilizing some tracking approaches. That way we get some hard data. They build some self-awareness back again, um, which they may have perhaps just, you know, forgotten to do. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, like I say, it gives me loads and loads of data about this person in terms of, you know, when are they most likely to break their diet? What is uh, their um, barriers to success? And then we can kind of come up with strategies that, that help them with that long term. Okay. And with the fact that fat loss isn't linear and we can see the peaks and drop offs and things like that, how long before making that change, if we have seen something steady and out, how long until you make that change? Usually. It's probably going to be if we haven't seen any any change at all in terms of like you know um measurements or how clothes are fitting how they're looking or feeling um then it's usually for me probably going to be around about three weeks maybe slightly less but usually around about that just especially in in ladies um to men men we might be a little bit quicker um on the ball uh but women's weight can fluctuate up and down so much obviously depending upon what time of the month and things it is that um with them i might wait a little bit longer and then at that time it's like yeah now it's now it's time to start looking at things and making adjustments if we need to Mm, okay and if you had someone coming to you right now or a listener on this podcast a complete beginner wants to just make some some positive changes lose some weight where would you start with them and what advice would you give to them starting off yeah um so the very first thing I, I would say would be just to keep a food journal. You know, don't don't change. You don't have to change anything at all. Just at least keep a food journal and actually be a little bit more mindful um, about why you're eating the way you are, because straight away, you know, you're going to notice patterns that you've probably just not even thought about before. I think self-awareness is is the biggest tool. And, and if people with high self-awareness always tend to show the the best long-term weight control um you know it's it's always shown in the research um so keeping a food journal would be my my number one right there next one would be setting up your environments for success um so you know if you know that there are certain foods that are trigger foods for you things that you know you are likely to go and grab um when you're bored in the evening or you know when you're stressed is just avoid having it in the house there um and uh you know i would say something that's really worth going to do is because in the art in the early stages you know just building some good habits is is usually going to get you a long way towards your goal um and so i would i would definitely invest if you haven't done it already in a book called atomic habits by james clear um because it's, it's a brilliant way of actually helping you set up your environment for success um you know, just things like having uh, foods that are, let's say, more healthful, lower calorie, in sight, uh, easier to access. Uh, and then the things that, you know, you, you know, you're less likely uh, or less likely to help you get towards your results, make those harder to get to, really. Um, and it can be a lot to do with the environment of the people you're surrounded by as well, yes. both outside of social media and on social media. So that can be a thing that plays into it as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I'd say just another thing there is is to you know um, 
just try not to let other people's goals, you know, change actually what yours are. I think, as you mentioned there from sort of social media and stuff like that, because, you know, we are um, constantly getting transformation photos and these, you know, amazing changes in people sort of shoved into our faces. Sometimes it can make you forget that the main reason you, you just wanted to, you know, do this to start with was just to feel a little bit better, you know, just to eat a little bit healthier. Um, it's, it's so easy to, see this and think right I want to go and do I want to go absolutely you know, get absolutely shredded and I want to do go do a photo shoot when actually beforehand really the reality was all you just wanted to do was just feel a little bit more comfortable in your own skin so sometimes it's you know that's that's something to bear in mind is figure out what actually your goal is what's important to you um, and then you can kind of figure out actually how extreme do you need to get in your approach to achieve that yeah like not everyone wants a six-pack like it's it's just like it takes a lot to get to that point. Like it's not going to be a point that everyone is actually ever going to reach. Like, so there'll be some people that may never get to that point, but not everyone wants it. So it doesn't really matter. It's very relative to the people. We'll put it this way as well. It's like, nobody's ever got a six pack and then been like, yep, I'm, I'm happy. That's me done. (laughs) Um, anyone who's ever had one will have said, you know, will say the same thing that the likelihood was it wasn't the happiest time in their life when they were shredded. Yeah. It takes, it takes a lot. So it does to get there. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of sacrifice to get there for a lot of people. So there will be like, and is it worth, like it's, it's measuring up the, the sacrifice to their reward. And for some people, it's just not going to be worth it. Like, are you going to sacrifice all your family dinners, maybe with your kids and things like that just to get the abs? Might be okay for a short time. It's not something that you're probably going to want to keep forever in that case. If you enjoy a few beers at the weekend, things like that, you want to enjoy your time. There's definitely a balance there. Oh, I hate the word balance. Actually, why did I say that? There's <laughs> a, there is, to a certain degree, there's definitely a balance, unfortunately, there in between for the person and what they enjoy and what actually is happiness to them. Like, like yeah. you said, abs, six pack isn't going to be like for most people anyways is not going to be enough to make you happy in life like there's so much more to that and i think some people just get sucked in and again it can be so easy to get sucked in when we look at social media you open up your phone you're looking at all these beautiful people that are ripped to death and they might do nothing else outside of that but train eat have everything on point but sandra over there has four kids to deal with to bring school every morning has to make their lunches dinners is it the same scenario no so it really depends on so many different things yeah, I think another thing like uh, sort of saying about at the start, if you know, I was saying someone is, is I mentioned it earlier, the word ambivalence. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's just essentially if your current behaviors, you need to really just figure out where your current behaviors don't align with perhaps what your your goals and your values are. Um, and it's, you know, it might not it might be that you're not ready to change, but at least that helps you. Um, not to be so hard on yourself if that's not just the place you're in right now so like uh, uh, sort of to use an example or something of it is that you know you it might be that you want to lose you know uh, um, a good amount of weight to, to feel more comfortable or you want to start the gym to feel healthier um, but you love going out on the lash at the weekends and you know the idea of not doing that um unfortunately is this might be something that actually you're not ready to do you know you might it might be a case of actually no you know what I, i'm not ready to to have to reduce that habit down or, or to moderate things at all and that's fine you know you'll find that place one day um but and a lot of people just don't realize when they are actually 
ambivalent to change when they're not quite in that place yet and then they get frustrated with themselves and you know are constantly figure out why can't I just do it and it's because you know their current behaviors just don't align with where they want to be in the future Hmm. and I think it matters uh, like a big thing to take into account as well is that it's all depends on where our focus lies like we have I like to look at it as we have a load of different wedges for different and I don't mean the potato wedges now I mean wedges of focus in our lives so sometimes we might have a wedge for our social aspects of things that could be bigger at some stages throughout our life um or fitness could take a little like a little bit away from that just to give to something else on that um and when it does come to having to put more time into the health and fitness side of things something else is going to have to give so if Mm -hmm. you do decide that you actually do want to get to that stage where you are very lean even if it's only for a short period you just want to experience that what it's like um it's just being aware that something else unfortunately will have to give because you're not like you're not just going to pull some extra hours that you've never had before out of nowhere and effort and time and energy so something yeah. does have to give to a certain degree so that's something to take into account as well i think and Definitely. it's just where your priorities lie more than anything yeah you've got limited reserves and unfortunately you can't give them to everything all at once yeah. so you know something will will have to take a hit i think the thing to you know one of the best things that you can get in place is you know when you do eventually get um to the place you want to and you want to get to a position of let's say maintenance is knowing what's the minimum you can do in order to at least maintain where you're at Mm. Um, because it's it's always going to happen you know work is going to go you know mad at times you know you may be doing a lot of traveling for it there may be loads and loads of social occasions it's actually knowing what's the minimum you can do in order to still maintain rather than just being like Oh, I couldn't do anything. You know, I, I couldn't get as much done as I wanted to, so I just didn't do anything at all. You know, and this is this is unfortunately what tends to happen um, with with a lot of people is they're either very off or very on, and this is you know the case often with things like my fits pal. Um, you know, somebody might oh I've used it in the past, but you know I just as soon as I stopped doing it, I just didn't pay attention really to anything, and the weight piled back on. It's kind of like well, just because you weren't tracking your food doesn't mean that you know. Um, it, it, it didn't mean you had to go completely off off track you yeah. know so um yeah it's knowing kind of what's the the you know actually the minimum effective dose yeah and i think i think the whole on and off track and on the cart and off the cart and on the wagon and off the wagon all that i think falls into play with good and bad when it comes or healthy and not healthy when it comes to foods they all they all fall into this category for me of stuff that it's it's not really a thing so it isn't like we're not on we're not on like it's it's not a a matter of falling off track or on track it's just okay i i wasn't like i wasn't doing as well in that as i wanted to and in that Mm. sense then you're still you're still doing well maybe not as well as you were last week but it's not a fact that you fell completely off and everything gives way and that's it you're either on or you're off it's not like that it's not a it's not a switch of a light that just goes on and off you know there's a lot in between there that we can keep stuff going and like you're saying there if one thing goes or you're busy here or something like that doesn't mean that everything needs to go and everything needs to just be abandoned and we start to completely come backwards and uh have some negative results yeah i think our health's probably one of the only the only thing that we would do you know that where where we actually do that you know it was our finances it wouldn't be a case of oh you know i went into my overdraft one month so i just decided to just go further into it you know like it's 
it's it's not the way it typically goes for anything other than our, our health unfortunately exactly which, yeah like we don't go and spend 100 euro over over a budget and go fuck it i'm gonna spend 500 euro now actually may as well i went over budget let's keep it going no it's not like that like so you're i think you're spot on that's a great example of it um and then moving on to i think all of us look at there's a few different examples of stuff that we want everyone to have like in our diet if we can um and that'll be things like getting enough water getting our fruits and vegetables in getting enough protein is there anything else that you bring in with your clients that you like them to work on gratitude journals um setting our goals putting them in place is there anything in particular that is just a no matter what happens you just go for that that's just one of the non-negotiables sleep sleep 100 percent sleep yeah yeah talk um, to me bro talk to me Talk to you. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably don't need to tell everyone really, you know, the benefits of a good night's sleep. Um, we're, we're all massively aware of it. Yeah. I think we are, but people are still aren't, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's just like you get getting a parent coming to you and no, telling their children to make sure they eat their fruit, fruits and vegetables, but then they go and, and don't like, so it's, yeah. or drink your water now because you need to be hydrated, but Sheila hasn't drank water in two days. Or then yeah. cups of tea. Yeah, I mean, I I just think of like you know sleep. It's the first. It's the first domino in the in the chain. You know, if it's not in place, everything else is is probably you know it's going to struggle to go anywhere. Um, uh, with with you know sleep uh, deprivation or or you know um, just just you know less obviously. Uh, sleep over the course of the week than we want to see. Typically, we just see higher energy intakes. You know, it, it tends to correlate pretty well with that um people really struggle to um control hunger so hunger comes right up with um even just a you know one or two nights of less than optimal sleep um your general activity levels tend to come down a little bit so even though you may just still be exercising you know your your fidgeting your general movement day to day may reduce from that um your decision making in general yeah exactly cognition you know your, your decision making your ability to make good food decisions or positive food decisions. I always i'm always like wary of saying good and bad food mm. decisions because i think you know and they're all just decisions they're not good or bad some are better you know, than others but yeah, yeah yeah um but uh but yeah so sleep's a kind of a non-negotiable that i get all of my clients to focus on so we use a, a bit of a tick sheet um you know I'll, I'll get them to make sure they don't drink any uh, caffeine sort of six hours before bedtime um i'll uh, make sure they try and avoid any kind of um you know blue light in the hour immediately before bed so from sort of electronic devices and stuff like that um you know i'll make sure that uh they try and avoid kind of alcohol consumption uh, you know late at night because it's going to have a like an arousal effect on their sleep and then the you know probably the biggest one is just getting people to actually um be in bed eight hours before the alarm goes off you know because i think too many people go i'm going to sleep eight hours uh tonight and they make that their goal but you can't control that you know you can't control how many hours you're going to sleep for some of us are just poor sleepers i was uh, you know i had insomnia and, and years or bouts at a time and and these are things that actually 
are, are outside your control but what you can control is you know duration the actual time that you do spend in the bed so I, that's that's something i definitely get them to focus on it's probably the the biggest thing really and then as i mentioned just a food journal um you know those two things combined are going to probably tell me as much as i need to know about somebody's um uh general day-to-day behaviors and the things that are really going to help them in the long run yeah the thing with sleep as well is it's it's probably it's safe to say it's probably one of the best things you can do to improve or make getting results easier and it's free Mm. yeah so other than not being a dick about it and not making some silly decisions and i think i think everyone realizes that being on your phone in bed there scrolling through Instagram and Facebook and things. I think, I think we all subconsciously are well, as well known that it's not a great thing to be doing. Yeah. Like sleep is for two things. It's for the two S's sleeping and sex. That's what, that's what your bed is for. It's not for being on the laptop watching Netflix. And I know like, look, we all, we all love a bit of TV. We all love it's easy in bed because it's comfortable. You're comfortable. You're lying there. You know, there's no stressors or anything. You watch a bit of Netflix or whatever, be on your phone scrolling. It's very easy to do. But if we are getting really bad sleep and it's affecting our daily lives, it's just something we have to look at. Even if we're cutting it back, even that's going to be an improvement. Like it's not always that has to, we have to go cold turkey and completely drop it every day of the week. You could have one or two nights there where you know you have a few extra hours in the morning at the weekend, maybe then you can watch a bit in bed like, but it's safe to say that overall it should be just for those two S's really. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's making it like harder to do the things, to do those things like scroll, uh, you know, social media in bed and, and stuff like that. So like, I, I mean, on my phone, I was still doing it, even though I knew as well as anyone yeah. that, the benefits of it. I was still there late at night scrolling on the phone. Um, and, uh, and so now my phone, it just gets basically hidden away. Um, I have the, um, downtime thing, the setting from, uh, um, iPhone. Uh, and so everything goes off after eight o'clock. Um, you know, so nobody gets any responses to anything after that time. Um, but it just takes it out of my hands because I know I can't trust myself if my phone's there. My natural reaction will just be to pick it up yeah. um, and, and look at it. I don't have a TV in the bedroom because I know that it will go on, um, you know, even though I know that it shouldn't. So because you're, you're human, like, yeah exactly and this is it we, we just make it as you know as hard as your you know on yourself as you possibly can i heard a good one actually yesterday for um social media is uh somebody gets their um partner to change their uh password on social media um from monday to friday so that they can't use it and then they basically get to use it at the weekend and i was just like wow that's brilliant but unfortunately it work for our, our job but yeah. um but yeah you know if, if if it's something that you don't need for your job and you know you know you spend too much time it just make it make things like that harder to do yeah it's kind of it's the same or similar to some of the food things so it's out of sight out of mind there with mm-hmm. you with the phone it just makes that decision making easier and sometimes I was actually going through this with a client there the other day. Sometimes when we do make as many decisions as possible um, easier, it leads to so much less stress. Like just knowing, say, for example, a, a good habit that I can use with some clients is that they know when they're busy in the morning, every morning the decision is made for them that they just end up eating the same breakfast during the week because they know it's easier. They don't mind having the same thing every morning. It's a just non-negotiable. It's done. There's no thinking about it. No extra stress there. 
Um, and it just makes things that much like easier. So it does. Mm. Well, this is why so many people like the idea of things like meal plans. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, the amount of times I've had someone come to me and say, can you give me a meal plan? And as a, as a personal trainer, um, you know, you can't give prescriptive meal plans. It's one of those things where it's a very, very gray area in the industry. You still see people giving these kind of prescriptive meal plans, but it's not something. Yeah. And it's not something that, that you, you can do. Um, but the reason people like things like that and, and meal templates and stuff is because it does take the decision making away. And if you are, you know, have a, a very stressful, high powered job and you're making a hundred you know, different decisions a day, the last thing you want is for food to be another another one of them. And, and this is why actually I'm not adverse to people saying that I eat, pre- you know, they eat pretty much the same thing every day. Fine. If, if at the end of the day that gives, leaves you with less decisions to make brilliant you know switch up your vegetable and your fruit intake a little bit but other than that fine just you know continue with that so you have less decisions to make over the course of the day um and and it's sort of factors into that you know we willpower is like a muscle it's you know it can be depleted it can be fatigued and this is why in the evening after you've made a full day's worth of decisions it can be much harder to get things in place which is why you know things like food preparation is actually such such a powerful tool for people because it's it gets done when they've got the willpower to do it on a, a Sunday or whatever, and then it just means they don't have to make decisions during the week about what they're going to have for dinner in the evening. Um, you know, so it's yeah, you know, controlling your environment, making sure that you when, when you are motivated to do something that you do it right then rather than waiting until you know later on like ah oh, I'm going to go to the gym you know I'm really feeling motivated I'm going to um, make sure I eat healthy this week you're feeling motivated right then prep your food for the week you know just just utilize motivation when you've got it because it will you know it does get depleted unfortunately yeah and i think another thing there actually when it comes to the decision making i find it very handy with some people anyways to have two or three meal ideas in our head that is just ones we know we enjoy we know the amount of calories or if it's a thing that you are going via calories um that we just know it's an easy meal it's very like quick to make something like that. It's just one there that if we are struggling or, or maybe we're tempted to get that takeaway because we're stressed after the week, we're tired after the day that we just know that's an easy meal to have there. I'm going to enjoy it. Just a few of those in the back for our mind are written down somewhere. It can be very handy. Mm. And it's so much easier now compared to what it used to be because even most ready, you know, a lot of ready meals now mm. are, you know, low calorie, high protein, filling, voluminous. Um, and, and it's, it's so much easier to actually do now compared to to what it was like previously god i mean you only need to look at um you know certain like uh healthy eating recipe books from like the 90s and it's just like you're not going to spend all that time trying to create these recipes if this is why lean and 15 did so well wasn't it it was just quick to do which is why people wanted to do it it wasn't you know it, it made it took away the barrier um and and this is it if you notice there's any barriers it's kind of like figuring out how to how to get around those in as little effort as possible yeah i think convenience is definitely a big thing um most people are going to want in a lot of different things in life and that includes our nutrition and our training and some of the times that's what helps people stay on track or stay on that path to making that result um but yeah no i agree there actually then one thing I'd like to touch on just before we finish up is I remember you talking about it before on Instagram and that is just the importance of weight training and strength training in especially, I know it's important for everyone, but especially in the aging population. 
Would you like to touch on that even briefly? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, the thing is, after um, it's kind of as as we get past, I think it's, I think it's sort of 30, 30 or 40, something like that, uh, the percentage of, um, of muscle mass decline, it's, uh, you know, it, it sort of around about 1% per year, something like that. Um, and then as we get older, it gets accelerated as well again. And because of the importance of strength, you know, in terms of reducing things like incidents of falls and stuff like that, um, it is just so important that we try and make things like resistance training just a long term part of, of our of our life. Um, as we get older as well, we get what's called anabolic resistance. So um, we get less sensitive to protein feedings. Now, what helps bring up our sensitivity to protein resistance training? So it's kind of like a, a good way of, uh, you know, trying to um, uh, battle against, you know, um, the unfortunate um, issues of time um alongside that just for our for our general joints and, and health like that i tend to work with uh individuals who might the sort of general population um pt face-to-face clients i have typically tend to be sort of 50 or above um and most of them when they come to me are suffering with um you know sore knees sore backs sore hips sore shoulders and the reality is it's just because they've not undergone any kind of loading for any period of time people get worried that because something is sore and something is niggly that actually that they need to use it less when the reality is it's because they're not using it enough mm. you know we're not giving our joints the the work they need in order to um stay healthy you know so this is it it's like as much as we we sort of talk about you know fat loss and um you know all the posts you'll be looking at on instagram will be all about how to get six-pack abs and stuff like that you know those things are, are absolutely you know minimal um they are you know just small fish compared to the the longevity um uh benefits of resistance training you only need to talk to somebody who's you know body has failed them in later age to know that that you know if they could go back and do something again it would be to look after themselves a little bit more not to have you know not to have they don't want six-pack abs they want to feel better they want you know their body to be working for them and that's i think you know the reality of what i'm trying to help sort of uh give to people with the, the sort of stronger for longer program and the, the individuals i'm working with on a face-to-face basis is looking at longevity purposes of training um rather than the the transformative kind of part of it okay yeah and i think a lot of people that when they're on about thinking they need to use it less just because they have pain that they need to realize it is use it or lose it we're not going to keep that mobility or that strength or that muscle mass if it's not being used mm. Yeah. And, and I mean, weight training itself is the, is the best, um, it's the, it's the best stretching and mobility exercise you could ever want because it's loaded, you know, loaded stretching is how you keep hold of ranges of motion. Um, and you know, people will spend loads and loads of time stretching, but never get strong through a range and they'll just never hold on to it. Um, whereas if I can get somebody in the gym who's, you know, got shoulders that don't, you know, quite don't allow their arms to go quite all the way up. Um, I'm going to be trying to figure out where they can get to get them stronger through that and then progressively increasing from there. And um, this is it. It's knowing that it's never too late to start. Um, you know, you're never you're never too broken for exercise. There's always something you can do um, and it can be yeah, it can always be regressed and then progressed appropriately. Yeah. And I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong as well in saying that 
like strength and or weight training like there'll be a direct correlation in mortality rates so the lack lack of strength we have like will be like a direct correlation with like higher mortality rates yeah that alone like is yeah i mean even it's like all cause mortality so you know deaths from um you know all diseases Mm. um uh are reduced just from resistance training um so it's kind of an absolute absolute no-brainer um you know the things that allows somebody to do as they get older um and the problem is is it's it's getting somebody strong enough to to make sure they're more resilient you know so it's avoiding that initial injury from say a fall which might unfortunately happen for somebody as they get older and then unfortunately we see this vicious cycle if somebody's had this first fall um because they are now immobile they've had to spend time in hospital or something like that they lose more muscle mass and so they come out weaker more susceptible to falls and unfortunately you know never recover fully yeah and so it's, it's it's kind of making sure you're resilient as possible to avoid that first that first fall you know and i'm i don't know um kind of the age range of people that would be listening to this podcast but even if you're only say 20 it's kind of fast forwarding to yourself and going right whatever you're doing right now if hopefully you're you're training it's like making sure that you make that a lifetime habit and behavior um because if you're doing it just for the gram you know you're you're missing out on the uh overwhelming benefits of it yeah and i think as well there is um like we see things like osteoporosis and stuff like that becoming more and more um frequent like more and more frequent cases in younger people as well as older people like so like like it's becoming more and more of a thing so it's mm. even more of a reason with stuff like that in the younger population to be strength training and getting stronger. Like there's like pretty much there, there's no reason why, why people shouldn't be trying to get stronger in it. And that like takes aside any body composition goals or anything like that. The overall, the overall goal and all of this really has to come down to our health and our life, like and having a better life and being able to do more things and not having to suffer with this or that. And that makes it at any stage, whether we're 50, whether we're 20, we don't want to be dealing with those things. Like, so the overall thing has to come down to our health and our well-being. Mm, yeah, that's not sexy enough, though, Dylan. No, it's not sex sells, doesn't <laughs> it? I wonder how we get, how can we put that into a better a better frame. Sit, mate. You gotta figure it out. Yeah, it's a tough one. All right, I think that's uh, that'd make a lot of money. All right, wouldn't it? If we could just frame that in the right way. But yeah, yeah um, yeah. I think that's pretty much everything I want to cover today. Uh, would you like to tell people that are listening where they can find you? Yeah, yeah. So um, my Instagram is uh, built by Brown PT. Uh, my Facebook's the same, built by Brown PT. Uh, my website is www.builtbybrown.co.uk, and uh, the Strong for Longer program is at uh, Stronger hyphen for hyphen longer.co.uk as well so um yeah anyone want to know anything about i've got lots of blogs lots of stuff i've written in the past um so yeah just uh, check me out there yeah that's cool and what i'll do is i will put links to all of that in the caption of the episode so if anyone is looking to contact adam or ask him any questions on anything he's touched on there um you can do so because i think if he gives any more information someone's head might explode with trying to take it all in so we'll leave that for another (laughs) day i think so thanks again for coming on adam it's been a pleasure cheers